Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Wherever you are listening from, we are glad that you have joined us. Please follow us on Instagram at Sean Gaby and at Supernatural Leadership Podcast and or visit kingdomculture.ca or seangaby.com for more engaging content around topics we will be discussing. As well, you would love it if you would leave a review on this podcast as it helps boost our ability to get this content out to more people. If you are new with us today, just want to inform you that we will be releasing a new episode on the first Wednesday of every month and every so often a bonus episode. So make sure to hit the subscribe button so you can keep up to date with every episode. There are so many great leadership podcasts out there and truthfully, I love so many of them. So why supernatural leadership? Really, it's the difference between presence and principle as we discuss in episode one. The very first episode of this podcast really sets the tone for the why and purpose for this podcast. I would encourage you to have a listen if you haven't already. Simply put, we believe everyone has a leader within them at some capacity. Whether you're a CEO, non-for-profit director, media mogul, church leader, pastor, small business owner, manager of teams, a dad, a mom, and well, the list could go on. If everyone has a leader within them, why not make that leader a little more supernatural? That's the heart and goal behind this podcast, helping you connect your natural with God's super, making your leadership a little more supernatural. At the end of every episode, there will be practical activations and exercises to help us grow and mature in the various areas discussed. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome again to another Supernatural Leadership Podcast episode. My name is Sean Gaby. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. And if you've been tracking up with us for some time now, I really hope you've had the chance to rate, review, share this with your friends. And we'd love to hear how this podcast is impacting your supernatural leadership journey. The whole premise of this podcast is really that everyone has a leader within. Why not make that leader a little more supernatural? So that's our hope with this podcast in each episode. And if you've been tracking with us, even for the last several months, you know that we've been doing a lot more engaging interviews. It's not just me uh, bringing uh, some sort of a some sort of content to you each and every month, once a month. Now it's almost, I'd say every week, every few weeks. And so I really hope these new episodes are really impacting your supernatural leadership journey. Today, we have a very, two very special guests actually with us. And their names are Sean Bowles and Bob Hassan. And Ooh, they are the co-hosts of a very powerful, uh, powerful, encouraging podcast called exploring the marketplace and so i want to welcome bob and i want to welcome sean bob this is the first time i've ever met you yeah. welcome welcome hey, hey. thank you we're so honored to be here i'm so glad I, you're gonna meet bob i am too i i uh you know you guys seem to have a really good dynamic together you've known one another for quite some time now so i know that if the listeners that are listening to this podcast have never tuned into yours they definitely need to check it out, especially if they're a leader in the marketplace. Now, just to bring everybody up to speed on who Bob is and then I'm, and also who Sean is, I want to read a little bit of a snapshot of Bob's bio just to bring you into a little bit of who he is. Bob Hassan is a businessman and leadership consultant. His greatest passion is strengthening leaders and their organizations with specific focus on developing sound organizational structure, fiscal responsibility, and dynamic relationships on leadership teams. As CEO of RM Hassan Painting Contractors Inc., which he founded in 1978, he established the company as a trusted partner serving general contractors across the Western United States. For over 30 years, he's been an active or been active as a consultant and board member for churches, ministries, nonprofits, and school boards. And his wisdom has been sought out by many leaders and organizations. Bob is also the co-host, as I mentioned, with Sean Bowles on Exploring the Marketplace podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. He's been married for over 30 years to his wife, which is awesome. We celebrate mm -hmm. that. Yes. Uh, her name is Lauren, and he is the proud father of David and his wife. I don't know if I can say this properly. 
Yeah, you can't just say Nat. Nat. Okay, I was I was a little bit unsure. Nat, Kyler, and his wife Perla, Isabella, and Sophia. And uh, so, welcome, Bob, once again. So Thank glad you. to have you on here. And Sean Bowles, who I've known for quite some time now, an incredible individual. We both have the same name, and it's spelled the same way. Um, he right actually way. has been on this podcast before, and I don't know if you've heard this, but <laughs> if you haven't checked out the episode, it's powerful. It's on the Word of Wisdom. We break down the power behind what Paul addresses in first Corinthians chapter 12 on the word of wisdom. So if you haven't checked that out, it was about a year ago, check that talk out that Sean and I had already had, but if you haven't and do not know much about Sean, let me just read a little bit of his bio. Now his bio is like, can you do it with like an epic James Earl Jones? Yeah. Yes, I can. I'll try. I'll try his, his, (laughs) his bio is four times the size of Bob. So I'm going to nail it. (laughs) That's because I'm I'm going to shorten it a little bit. But uh, Sean is a TV host and author, producer, and Christian minister. He has been leading conversations in the church entertainment industry, which is one of the reasons why I love Sean so much, and in social justice. And it's helped believers. He's helped believers connect their faith to culture in a transformative way. Sean's deeply connected yet humorous style of speaking, media hosting, and coaching through his unique expert perspective has brought him around the world to meet with churches, CEOs, entertainers, and world leaders. His area... His areas of passion include developing Christianity that brings transformation, the intersection of Christianity and popular culture, business from a faith perspective, social justice through faith, and hearing God's voice with a focus on restoring dignity to biblical-based prophetic ministry. And I should add this, he brings his Xbox when he travels to hotels. <laughs> that be added? You can't. I remember I saw that one time on, on online. I'm like, <laughs> Sean, you're so hardcore, man. You, you have like a, I remember seeing like a, so it was like a design briefcase or whatever for your Xbox for travel. Yeah. That's wild. But we're not talking about Xbox games today, but so that's basically in a nutshell who Sean is and what he's about basically in a nutshell who Bob is now to get into just a little bit about this book. You guys recently co-authored a book together called Wired to Hear. Can you guys just tell me and tell us a little bit about what this book is all about. Bob. Well, a couple of years ago, Sean and I were hanging out and we started talking about sort of this intersection between practical and faith and listening to God and hearing God. And these conversations morphed into these sessions, hour and a half long sessions of us recording discussions, which turned into chapters, which turned into a book. And essentially what we've done is we've written a book um, about how we're wired to hear each one of us in our career and our places of influence in our jobs and our life. And it ended up being a beautiful book with in written in one voice. Wow. Yeah, and I think I had this word, Sean, that uh, the next great move of God is going to be in the mm-hmm. marketplace. It's going to happen amongst people who are in the career fields. And, you know, now that we know statistics, only 1% of people in the church or in ministry, everybody else is in a career or owns a business or involved somehow in something extracurricular like that. And I feel like the next great move of God where we see transformation, but we also see people's lives change and even salvations is going to be in the workplace. So when we start to talk about this as well, we realize that, you know, 55% of the world's wealth is owned by Christians. I mean, the world's wealth, they need a revelation so we could bring unification and actually target that wealth towards the things that Jesus dreamed of when he went to the cross. And so for us, we really start to have these conversations. Like if, what would happen if the average person believed that they can't just read the Bible for themselves, they don't just pray for themselves, but they could hear from God for themselves in their career, in their, in the marketplace. And it's been a really, profound conversation because you always get that one person who's like my wife's the one who hears from God or my husband's intercessor or whatever and they actually use an excuse of I don't have the ability to do this and we take that excuse away and it's actually creating a movement wow I love that and this is really the heart of this podcast too I really jive uh, with the heart of what you guys are talking about because this is the heart of this podcast to help help everyone really out there, whether they feel like they're a leader or not, or have any big massive sphere of influence, just bring God practically into their sphere. And I love the first part of your little blurb about your book says wired to hear will help you practically. I love that word because it's, we need practically in our life. We need the practical, practically apply our faith in the workplace. We are decluttering 
and demystifying the spiritual pursuit of hearing God for you, especially if you are in the marketplace career or place of influence. And I think, I, I, and I, this is just my assumption, like when, when you say, especially if you are in the marketplace, because it's so easy to be comfortable practically applying your faith in a church context yeah, or a, or, or a church community context where that's just where people's faith feels safe and secure. But God has never called us to be safe in our faith. Like, I've always said this, like yeah. faith is not a walk in the park. It's a walk in the dark. That's why Paul right. said, wow. we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. We, you know, this is the whole journey. And I think in the marketplace, it feels dark. It doesn't feel safe because we're stepping into territory that uh, where people just aren't necessarily always open. And so how do we bring God into the marketplace? Now, I would love for you guys, I don't know who wants to share first, bring us into a little bit of the journey. Maybe we'll start with Bob of your supernatural leadership journey. Like at what point juncture you've been, you know, doing this business, this um, painting business, I think it said for, I don't know how many years now, 1970. Almost longer than I've been alive. Right. 1976. <laughs> so, Sorry, Bob. I had to throw that one at you in your birthday month. <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, I'm assuming it wasn't always this way for you. Like what, where, what changed for you? Like where all of a sudden did you feel like I got to bring God into the marketplace? Well, it's interesting, Sean. I started out in a 64 Volkswagen bug with surf racks, painting people's, you know, interiors of their houses. And, you know, over the years, the business grew, which into a mature business now. And so there's steps and, you know, I'm a process guy and there's been, there's been steps all through this journey and your faith builds. <clears throat> but one thing that I think the Lord, uh, graced me with when I was younger was not to compartmentalize my faith, my faith. And so I, I've always sort of been the guy that's the same with my family. That's the same at church. It's the same business. And so the, the principles that, you know, Jesus talks about, for example, he sent his disciples two by two. So when I was first starting my business, I didn't send people out alone. I sent them in pairs, teams of two, because it just made sense to me that if Jesus did it and people don't like to be alone or isolated. And, and I was able to, I was able to model sort of my business after what I, what I read in the scriptures. Um, and one of the things that's very, very important to me is that people's quality of life are raised, that we as believers are paying a commensurate rate, uh, wage, an industry standard wage, that I'm listening to the Lord uh, in the decisions that I'm doing. Have I made mistakes? Yes. Have I taken jobs where we've lost tons and tons of money? Yes. Have I had employee issues and human, uh, human resource issues? Yes. I've been in business for uh, almost 45 years. I've made every single mistake. But at the end of the day, the Lord has come through for me um, every single time to the point where we're a mature business now. And, you know, if permit me, if I may, I'll tell you a story that happened <clears throat> within the last three years. We had a big negotiation up in Northern California. My team flew uh, to a job site. We were around a conference room table with, with lawyers and general contractors and construction managers. And as we sat to try to nego negotiate a settlement, this, this man, you know how when you get mad and you have a, this, this vein pops out, right? Here, this, guy, <laughs> this guy, this vein I've never seen out. your vein. <laughs> well, at any rate, this guy was coming after us hard, yelling, screaming, cursing at us. And I had this insane reaction, like it was either I'm going to come over the table at him or I'm going to start crying, right? Wow. These were my two options. And then I heard the voice of the Lord because I've practiced hearing the Lord. I heard the voice of the Lord say, stand up and leave the meeting. And so what I did is I stood up and I said, listen, um, Jim, we came here to participate in a respectful conversation in goodwill. And <clears throat> I'm not going to participate in a disrespectful conversation. My team and I are going to go outside for 15 minutes. Wow. If you would like to, we'll come back in. If you would like to continue this meeting, we will. And we walked out and I had adrenaline. I was shaking. My team was mad. They were like, let's just go to the airport. But when we walked back in, before we sat down, this man apologized. Wow. And right after he apologized, he offered us a settlement that was better than we hoped for. 
And so my point in telling this story is, is that if we practice hearing the Lord uh, in good times, when we get into a situation that's stressful or anxiety producing, we can hear the Lord then. So good. I love that. I love those kind of stories. That's amazing. So just to kind of like recap, um, would you said that there was like a, a milestone moment in business where you felt like you had to go to the next level with including your faith practically? I think getting married, you know, forces your faith to grow. Yeah. And so I, again, I'm going to come back to, I'm a process person. I don't have one giant, uh, light bulb that went on it was a process of years and years and years of okay. trying to serve the lord of doing the best i could of falling down and getting back up and dusting myself off and putting one foot in front of the other um and and so i i can't point to you know one light bulb moment but i can point to a bunch of different markers in the line through the process of my life and business. And I think that's probably the, the majority of most people. It's like they, they, it's a pro, everything's a process and you grow into these clothes that God has for us. We grow into them over time. It's like they'd always fit in the beginning, but we grow into them over time. And so, yeah, I love that. What about Sean? Like, I know, I mean, I've, I know, I know more about your journey than Bob's, but like, was there a moment where all of a sudden you went from, church itinerant Sean to realizing that there was so much more for you in the marketplace. I mean, even as you entered the entertainment industry and influencing that, like, was there a moment or was it like Bob, like just a slow progression or can you actually count the moment? Was well, it's interesting because I always had projects that were bigger than like the traditional ministry tent making business that, you know, people kind of defined in the Bible through Paul, where they say, Paul had a tent making business. I would have, I, I mean, I had a video game company and then I had a alpha video game company, testing company, then I had real estate, then I had like commodities and investments. And then I had what, so I always did stuff until I had a church. And when I had a church, I still had a few streams of income that I still would, you know, practice, but they were easy. So they weren't time consuming. And after we, uh, after I got married and Shri and I left senior pastoring, to do more itinerant ministry, I, I looked at her and I said, I've made a lot of money in my lifetime through all these businesses, but I never looked at it as a thing that God was calling me to, or that was part of my assignment. I just looked at it as it was supporting everything else I was doing. So I entered this codependent relationships to the ministries. I would either birth or I was a part of, cause I would be giving 30%, 50% of the income to make the ministries happen because I could just make money. I could, I could actually create finances, but it wasn't a choice. It was usually an intermingling or something would happen where I'm all of a sudden just drained. And so when Sharina got married, she said, I feel like God wants you to focus on both. And I feel like there's going to be a part of you that needs to understand who you are in the business side, not just the ministry side, because you've done it your whole life, but you haven't focused on it. And then when you study out Paul, most, most Hebrew scholars will believe that he was, and most biblical scholars will believe that he was actually very wealthy and that he, his tent making business, he probably had many employees and it was probably something that was going ongoing as a Roman citizen. And so like, when you think of it that way, it's way different than the traditional small town church pastor who has 50 people in his church says, I'm going to start real estate a little bit because well, I'm going to start, you know, doing multi-level marketing because I want help versus somebody who's like, you know, believing from God, I'm actually going to start real estate because it's part of my passion of who I am, not just to make a little bit more income and maybe sell a house a month. I'm doing this because I want to be involved in the community. I have an ability to produce wealth and resources for my family. I'm supposed to bring a stream of income that a local church tithe can't do. There's two mentalities that can do that. And I felt like for me personally, like I needed to enter into a new mindset. Wow. And so it was really a, a transition of a couple of years where I think when Bob came along three years ago or so, as far as working with us in our organizations as a consultant, I was ready to go for it in both arenas, full on in ministry and full on with whatever it looked like financially. And, and uh, Bob was a catalyst because he helped us through. We had a lot of success in ministry, but ministry success a lot of times brings cash flow issues and other issues that is just impossible to solve without um, supernatural God coming through, but also with wisdom. And so I had to go through a season of like really looking at what am I building? Do I want to build it? A lot of fruit has happened to me. Do I want to, do I want to keep those trees up or do I want to, you know, plant the field differently? And so that's what Shri and I have kind of walked through the last three to five years, you know? Wow. So it sounds like both of you, I mean, your wives played a huge part 
our wives are bosses yeah. for sure. That's right. <laughs> Not our bosses that we, we partner, but our <laughs> wives are both alpha females. You know, it takes alpha males and alpha females to get the fruit we're getting. We, it's, it's crazy. And they're yeah. best friends, which is like. <laughs> That's true. I, I, I agree. I think my, my wife challenges me every day and uh, makes me realize how horrible I can be and how awesome I can be at the same time. Totally. <laughs> Twice refined, you know, so um, let's dive into a little bit of the book. Like, so here's this book now you've co-authored and you kind of shared a little bit of how you got to the end result of this book through lots of conversation and talking, sharing stories. Can you guys highlight some of the key, like what, what would you say in a nutshell? Like if, if a reader reads this book, the most important part of this book would be, I know that's hard because I mean, every chapter. No, I, I have one right away and then I'll give it to Bob. Cause I think it, I want to do chapter one, which is the start of the book, which is yeah. um, my, my, one of my strongest teaching avenues of life is I've helped people from every kind of sphere of influence, whether it's politics or entertainment, business, the church, I've helped people believe they hear from God. And one of the strongest ways I've done this is if I sit down with somebody and say, tell me your last 10 big wins in life, whether it's in family, business, ministry, whatever it is, tell me your big wins. And then I say, how did you get there? Tell me the decisions you made to get there. And they start to think about it and they start to realize how much God's interwoven into that journey of here's the win. Here's three years before where I was at, where everything was failing, but I made this decision and I did this. Then God brought me here and they start to see a pattern for how God speaks. But the God of all the universe who lives outside of time and space calls us his temple and lives inside of us. And Jesus's voice, we're supposed to have his perceptions according to first Corinthians two, the last verse. So I feel like when we understand we have his perceptions within that our instinct, our intuition, and how we hear from God in our inner voice is more important than sometimes the disruptive voices, which may come only one time in a lifetime, that audible voice, or maybe not, may not come in a lifetime, or maybe a vision in the night or something. But we all walk with God. And just like we pray, we read the Bible, we hear from God. Well, we have to be intelligent about the way we look for how we hear from God. And so I've helped, I mean, literally an unnumerable amount of people and just sitting down with them and mentoring them through how do you hear from God? And I can't tell you how many people are like that. This is a before and after moment. Like I now can see the pattern for how God's spoken to me and when it's me and when it's God. And this time when I failed, like, and I thought it was the same voice, but I can actually, I can be honest with myself and say that was way different than when I had the success and I've been self glorifying or I've been the hero of the story, but I'm going to make God the hero now. And so we started out with that kind of in the chapter one is like, you actually hear from God and we reverse engineer someone's experience to kind of give a, a picture of a story of a businessman. And then we go from there and we start to prove that hearing from God is part of our lives, but also we're on a different journey because we don't want a man result in our life. We want a God result. So our journey and our process is going to be different. And we, we go all the way into the place of faith, but Bob, you can answer like your nutshell. Yeah. Well, my nutshell is when when Sean had that word in 2018 that the next major move of God was going to be uh, through the marketplace, I, I sat up and listened because, you know, Sean, when you have a friend and you're talking back and forth and you hear certain things, but then like when he had this word, I thought, oh, okay, this is, this is incredible. And so that was the genesis for this book. And in a nutshell for me, um, the fact that in order for us to be wired, figure out how we're wired to hear, we need to listen. <clears throat> and I, I know so many people who will go into their prayer closet and they have a list and they pray the list and then they have needs and they pray the needs and they sing a worship song and they write a psalm. I, and then and then they say, okay, okay, Lord, answer my prayer. Yeah. I have two minutes left. Yeah. And, and they leave and they're frustrated. God's not answering my prayers. I think what this book does is through the chapters, it shows people all the different ways that God's speaking to us. We could be in a conversation with a coworker or someone we don't know, and God mm -hmm. could speak through their mouth like he did with the donkey. He could speak through their mouth and answer our prayers. He could answer our prayers in a worship song, in a sermon, in a prophetic word. He could answer our prayers through reading the Bible, through getting together with other people to, to pray. There's all these different ways. And, and I think what we have to do is open our eyes and our ears to recognize God speaking in all these different ways. And that if we listen, if we, if our lens, if our lens comes off 
of our eyes and we recognize that he's he's out there speaking we could look at a sign on the billboard a billboard sign and he could answer a prayer and, and so i think that's what this book does is it helps <clears throat> it helps the reader and it helped me to recognize that listening is active and it's yeah, all yeah. the time so sean let me ask you a question this book would you call this sort of an extension with maybe more marketplace language to some of the other books that you've written around the voice of God? I think it's completely unique from them. So I don't know if it would be an extension because we're really addressing people who are going after uh, transformation in their careers and their lives. And I just think of like the, the chapter on process, like, you know, I was pastoring at the time and a girl comes from an educational background with a master's degree and she's in her late thirties and God speaks to her and tells her you're called to be an actress. She'd never heard God so clearly in her life. She's never done acting. She didn't want to do acting, but she felt as a mature believer, she had to follow it because it was that strong and she felt God's love there. She felt God's connection. So she moved to LA, did a sabbatical for Europe from her career and moved to LA and began to pursue education, you know, in acting and just like learning about it. And after the year was up, she started to run out of money and she also needed to go back or give up her career. And she felt like God was saying, stay here. So she was going to apply to be a substitute teacher. I said, how come you're applying to be a substitute teacher? She goes, well, it can make the most amount of money that I need to make, excuse me, to live here. And I said, well, have you asked God? Cause he led you here. He might have something else in your journey to lead you into. Cause you're looking for his result. You're looking for his leading because you're too far out to not be led by God anymore. So she goes, I never thought of that. So let's pray together. And let's just hear God together. You, you're going to listen. So we, we sat down and we prayed in the church on the front row. And she's like, shoot, almost cussed, you know, and I'm like, I said, what? She goes, I saw myself being a barista at Starbucks. I don't want to work at a Starbucks. I have a master's degree in education. There's nothing wrong with Starbucks. That's someone's dream, not her dream. So she was super mad. And I said, well, what if God's putting you in a place like that if you do get that job so you can learn about the other people in LA, everyone who's at Starbucks is an actor, musician, producer, scriptwriter, comedian. What if you're gonna be around those people and you need to be around that for the synergy of it and also to learn how to like love people as a Christian in the, these industries. And she goes, I hate that. You know, I hate that journey for myself type thing. And so she ended up doing it though. She applied it. She said, God, I'll apply at one Starbucks. And it happened to be one that had 2,700 applications that year. It was that popular because it was during a recession wow. and they looked at the applications. They hired, they only had one position open. They hired her wow. and they hired her because she had a master's degree and the manager needed help. They, she needed someone mature. So she hired her only because of her maturity at a just above minimum wage type job. And she started working there. One of the girls got a job on a, on a, one of Netflix's first series and everyone felt like it was their job after about six months. So she worked faithfully. It was like not easy for six months. And one of the girls gets a job on this Netflix show. They all felt like they'd won the lottery. That meant that their careers were going to come true, you know, as well. My friend, she just thought it was sweet. She's like, that's so amazing. Someone had it. And she became like their den mom and became like the big sister of everyone. That girl on the Netflix show, the first table reading they did, her, one of the, the actors had to actually leave for emergency surgery, wasn't coming back to the show. And they needed someone to play her. And it ended up being like an older sister figure to this girl. And so my friend was called by her friend who she worked with from Starbucks and said, Hey, the director and the casting director are willing to meet with you. If you can come today to, and if, if they choose you, you're going to start on the show tomorrow. You'll have to quit your job because we're going to start the table readings the rest of this week. And she ended up getting her first job because she said yes to God in the mm -hmm. industry, because she said yes to God to work at Starbucks which she would have never chosen in a million years. And now she's, I don't know how many, that was 2008, you know? So it's that many years later, she's been on nine series and done all kinds of stuff behind the scenes. And, you know, Amazing. so, you know, like that's the kind of story that I think the average like practical person who's like, how do I know that it's God and not me? You have to walk out the incremental faith. Like I love that Bob's whole career. It's like one step to the next step. It was steps. And I feel like the book really helps people to have steps to see other people's journeys, to see how it worked for other people. And, and they'll see themselves in this versus some of my other books are very vision heavy. They talk about like a practical or not as much of a practical way we hear from God, but, but they set an expectation we can hear from God, but this book we're taking into the practical and into business and careers and telling lots of those stories. And with Bob, who's even more practical than I am, it's, it goes some places that I'm so proud of. Wow. That's amazing. You know, what I think about, what you're talking about. And I think about marketplace, I think about supernatural leadership. I think of the word risk because I don't think anybody can be a supernatural leader without taking massive risk. I mean, yeah. it's not like I said earlier, like in the church, hearing God in the church, you're secure, you're comfortable, there's grace, 
in the marketplace, it's just very different. And the way you express it, the way that you follow up, the way that you engage is very different. I was like last night, literally, I was last night, I was speaking in a field, in a rugby field, it was the second time awesome. that I've spoken live since this pandemic wow. in 16 months. Wow. And awesome. uh, we, we just, because the lockdowns have been the heaviest in Ontario than probably the entire world. And so we just got off a stay at home order. Anyways, we set up in a field. I was, I was partnering with another church in my city and I was moving in words of knowledge and in a, in a, obviously in this public setting. And uh, one of the things I was saying was, cause you know how it is when people are like, are, you know, not responding or like, you don't know if it's landing. And I said this, I said, my risk, I would rather take the risk for the potential of your breakthrough because my risk sometimes will equal your breakthrough. And so yeah. you might be, you know, like, oh, what did Sean do? Like he just missed it or whatever, or like it's not landing, but I would rather take the risk and potentially see someone have a breakthrough than yeah. not take a risk for fear. And I think that applied in the marketplace is even more intense because I remember at one time I was at this plastic surgery clinic and they brought me in to prophesy over all their staff, not believers, like no one's believe like lawyers in the room. There was doctors, surgeons. And I remember like, it felt like one of the riskiest things. Yeah. And I'm vulnerable in this, literally in this cert, this clinic, one of the, one of the most state of the art clinics in all of Canada. And I saw some of the craziest breakthrough for 42 hours, over two and a half hours wow. of prophetic ministry over these like staff members bawling their eyes out. And I, I look at those moments and I'm like, this is what it's all about. For me, it's all about how do we influence those in the marketplace, but not just people, the leaders also that yeah. are called to influence the marketplace. I would love it if you would highlight kind of a little bit what I'm talking about. If you have, what are some of the riskiest moments that you've stepped into in your supernatural leadership journey in the marketplace? And just like, as an example, like, you know, you were invited into this, oops, this board table room with like three CEOs and you had a word that altered their entire business, but it was a risk well, because I will say wrong, we have trouble. We both have those kinds of stories. I do want to highlight that the book Wired to Hear is really not about prophetic evangelism or breaking through for other people. It's really about yourself, learning how you hear from God and you taking the risk in your business for awesome. cash flow issues or for finding the right lawyer or covenant relationships for, for finding, you know, those kind. it's like really walking it out. So I think there's a, like my, my other materials are about what you're talking about. Like translating God is all about giving the word. This is about living the word, like becoming the word, like hearing God. And so we, we will share. And we, of course, we have some great stories on that too, but I wanted to say that because I feel like we were brave in writing a book that didn't just lead to evangelism. As a matter of fact, one of the stories a guy from, you know, graduates from a school of ministry and comes to Bob and says, you know, bring me to your boardroom and all your executives. I'm going to prophesy to him and pray for him. Bob doesn't even know who this guy is. And he goes, I would never do that. Now, Bob, you tell the rest of the story. Cause I think this is really interesting. Awesome. Yeah, this is this is an inter interesting story, and and so Sean, going back to your question, I view myself as a risk manager. Okay, so now think about that combined with risk, like risk and risk manager. So what I'm always doing is I'm measuring: is this risk worth it? What's the upside? What's the downside? What are the unintended consequences that can happen? I'm a risk manager. But I'm also an entrepreneur. And so I've taken, you know, a, a, a ton of risk to have a company turn into a mature company after 40 years. So I, I love the question. But the story Sean's talking about is I was at a conference and I don't like conferences unless the speaker's funny. And, <laughs> um, and I had listened to a funny speaker and I was and I usually leave early. But for some reason, I was uh, just standing around and this guy had heard about me from someone and he, and he came up and he said, like, he was like, I just graduated from the school of ministry and I, I, and you're in business. Right. I'm like, uh huh. And he said, I, I want to come to your business. I want to pray and prophesy over your staff. And I said, what's your name? And he told me his name. And then he said it again. And I said, I, I, if I saw you coming, I'd lock the front door. And he was like, what? I said, my business is hitting metrics, performance, um, we have goals. Um, why would I allow you in to interrupt all that? Number one, number two, I don't know you. I'm a relationship person. And number three, the people in my business 
don't know you. So if you want to come and sweep the floors for a year and build relationship, I'll give you a job. And he, you know, it was so antithetical to everything that he'd been taught and, and he believed, you know, he went back to my friend who was a pastor in this conference and said that, I think that guy, you know, there's something wrong with that guy. And, you know, maybe there is, and I love the stories and I've been in situations where I've gone and prayed, but I've always been invited. You were invited to that plastic surgery clinic. Sean has all these incredible stories of going across the world to Dubai and, 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 and prophesying to billionaires, which I just think it's incredible. The, the thing, the difference is it's an invitation. 100%. Well, One I think th- that's important too, Bob, because I think like when we think of the prophetic, we think of those stories that are the ones where you went into that clinic or we think of me going to Singapore, Dubai, South Korea, Mm -hmm. Hong Kong and prophesying to the leader or the politician. But we don't think of hearing God's voice being Bob, the business owner who's trying to figure out how to, you know, one of us, you know, employees might be struggling with something another one's going through a lot in their life. And he knows that not a lot of business leaders even know that Bob actually has a relationship where he set a culture to where all these unsafe people look at Bob and Lauren as their mom and dad in a way they like look at them. And it's not like they don't do the whole church thing. Papa Bob, it's not weird. It's like, they just look at him and go, there's something about you that I want to be like you when I grow up, not because he's so strong, but because he's so vulnerable and real and unique. And they see him with his family, with his kids, with his grandkids, because he's modeled it for so many years now. So when he shares something that's wisdom, or when he does something for them, the level of impact is so much greater than having an outside voice come in and just give a one-time word, because now it's, it's part of the life and it's part of the culture. And I feel like, so that's, that's, I did want to draw that contrast. And that's why we brought up this young ministry student, because there's something in ministry schools or with young pastors, a lot of times where they'll see like, the goal would be to be in all the most important rooms with the most important message. Actually, the goal is to be Jesus every day where you're at, you know, to walk with them and take those risks where you've developed organization like Bob did, where you can hire people at a great rate and take care of their lives, give them the best job they could get. And people stay with them forever because they don't want to do anything else because they love his company. And they just got finished painting three of the biggest structures in the Southern California area. It's probably one of the best paint companies on the West coast, if not in the nation of, of America. So I look at that and just go, that's a God story. To me, that's a miraculous story just as much. And even sometimes more because you can emulate that versus giving a word in a boardroom. For sure. And it's longevity to me. Like when you're building a business, like everything's about process. So it's not just about those one-stop shop moments, those milestone moments. And we love those moments, but yeah. slow building, you know, and I don't like, and I think that's amazing. It's like your, your, your spiritual fathering your business. You're raising up, spiritual sons in a sense and spiritual daughters but in a different way you're you're fostering yeah. a culture of love and honor even within your business you're you're hitting your goals you're doing it kingdom way and i know i'm assuming out of that i mean you've been able to do so many other things as a result of being faithful i had a i just I talked to uh a common friend of ours alvin chun recently on this podcast and talked about his business endeavors and his all the things that he's done and we ended up naming the title of this podcast, basically, you know, the power of stewardship because wow. Calvin's story is all about awesome. process. It just, you keep stewarding what God's given you in every moment, whether it's the church or whether it's this business, whether it's this investment or whatever the case may be and let it grow over time. Like don't give in, don't give up, like keep investing, keep moving forward. And so, yeah, I love that. I love that. What would you say you guys like are some of the greatest or I mean, your biggest failures that we can pull from in the process (laughs) of hearing God for your business and not giving in, not giving up and continuing to include God in your business. Like, what would you say? Not that we want to highlight the negative, but I think sometimes we talk about the failure, it normalizes it for everybody because we're all as entrepreneurs or as leaders in some area going through some feeling like maybe I'm not measuring up, I'm not winning, you know, I'm failing. What would you say to encourage well, those that are listening that feel that way based upon the things that you've gone through? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting. Going back to this notion of hearing God, I was one of those people who said, you know, my wife hears God, Sean hears God, my friends who are pastors hear God, or they're prophetic and I'm not. And over time, I recognized, oh, I do operate in this prophetic 
wisdom is what, you know, Sean told me a long time ago. And, you know, I might not have these, you know, amazing one-time words, but I do, I, I do operate in, in a, in this sort of prophetic wisdom and Sean smiling because, you know, to hear me saying this, you know, he remembers when I didn't say this. So um, I think one of the ways that we grow is in our relationship with the Lord, recognizing, you know, that we're loved sons or daughters of God, that our identities in him and that the bar is set right there. And whether we're, whether we're super successful or whether, or whether we're just having struggles, 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 we're still loved sons and daughters of God. That's the first thing for me. In my business, you know, I, I, I feel when you asked that question, I, I thought about all the times I got competitive in a competitive bidding situation where if another, because I'm a relationship guy, I have relationships with the people who we're trying to buy work from. And um, if, if another subcontractor can do it for this price, then I should be able to do it for this price. And so many times I've taken, I've taken jobs where the door was closed, but I physically opened them by my negotiating relationship wow. power. You know, and what do you think happened? You know, we lost tons of money on these jobs. Um, there was a time many, many years ago where um, half of our annual sales, uh, the, the contractors we were working for went bankrupt and the money was immediately uncollectible. And, you know, I, I it took me, I, I really spun out. I stopped talking to my wife. I started drinking. I, you know, I didn't know how I was going to get my arms around this problem. Yeah. And finally I got home from work one day and my wife said, what is going on? Wow. And I, I'm the type of person that doesn't want to talk about a problem until I have my arms around it. Hmm. But I had isolated so much from her. She thought that you know, there was a trouble in our marriage. And when I told her what had happened, listen to this. <laughs> when I told her what had happened, she said, well, what's the worst that happens? We lose everything, but we have each other. Wow. And I was like, and she said, and I think, and then she prophesied over me and she prayed for me. And God gave me this supernatural way to get out of it, which meant humbling myself and going to each vendor that I owed tons of money to and saying, this is what's happening. If you can spread my payments out over time, I'll sign whatever you want. I'll be able to pay you back. Wow. And each vendor I talked to said, sure, Bob, we've had a relationship for a long time, whatever you want to do. And I was back out in the field again and Sometimes I had paint clothes on in the morning and, you know, a tie on in the afternoon, but over a two or three year period, we were able to work ourselves out of it. And it was a huge failure and a very close to bankruptcy. And what I learned about that in that time was, you know, isolation is not good. No. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, and I think that just like accentuates this previous conversation that we had, that it's not about these crazy risks in the marketplace, one-time words, but these moments, like yeah. this is including God in the marketplace. This is including yeah. God. Your wife comes, she prophesies over you. It's like in a moment, one word, all of a sudden it like settles things in your heart. You know, it pulls you out of isolation, pulls you out of hiding, you know? And uh, I love that. I think that's an amazing, amazing story of including God. What about you, Sean? Just as we, before we wrap up, cause I want to get yeah. to an activation point, but Sean, do you have anything to share on that? Yeah. I mean, I think the first major project I had in the entertainment industry was a video game and I hired friends and family. I mean, I hired people around me who had talent, but they weren't talented enough. And so I actually had to let them all go when they were the performa uh, performance wasn't met for the due dates and stuff. I had to let go people I really loved because I, I overestimated their ability and I, I exaggerated my own faith towards them. And I had to start with another company. And that was brutal. Like to, and it, most people hire their friends and family. It's just what people do. My you know, nephew is the greatest writer or whatever. And they'll hire him and they realize they're not. And that's really like, they don't actually look at like, especially in the entertainment industry. Cause you're like, if you can't look up somebody on IMDB and see anything, you probably don't need to hire them for your project. It's just that kind of thing. You know, it's like, you're going to take a big risk. You need some people who know what they're doing and have real experience. And so that was really painful to have to like tell them, I'm so sorry. I can't. Uh, there's an investment company and I can't keep you hired based on the fact that we have to get this done by this date and you don't have the experience for this. And everyone I've hired is an experience and we don't have, well, I need some major experience in this because I'm inexperienced. 
And so I'm so sorry because I have to let you go from this project. And some were employees and some were contractors. And it was, it created so much offense. And I had to walk through the fence for like a year from, and I lost friends over it wow. because they had so, to them, their dreams were happening. And I was their dream stealer because I took their opportunity away. But it really taught me a lot about myself and managing and friendship. And then the other one that I would say is like when we, um, you know, we uh, worked on a real estate project in Kansas City and it was like, it was really hard because I bought a bunch of properties and then I went uh, through a recession period and I went through a physical sickness. And so I couldn't maintain what I bought. And so I had to bring somebody else in to help me maintain and give them partnership and ownership. And it was one of the most humbling things because I felt like God was saying, you know, this is your way out. And it, God never said it, but that's what I was like. This is your way out of like tough times financially. And so just whenever a property that looked right came on the market, I would buy it. And then after a while, I got too many and I just couldn't manage them. And I was sick and I, I had to call a friend who's head of a property management company. And I basically was breaking even. And finally, I just sold them all except for two and just was like, you know, and so I looked at that and it was a total, thank God I didn't go bankrupt or anything, but it was a total failure. But I love how God was like, you know, like rescued me out of that. Cause some people don't come back out of those opportunities. When I submitted myself to God, I humbled myself to God and said, I did this mm. out of my desire for you and me. And I'm so sorry that I was presumptuous. And I'm so like, what do you want me to do? And he showed me who to call. And I called him and the guy, it was a good friend of mine named David and David just took it all on and, you know, and it had total grace for it. And he made money off of it. I didn't because the way it all worked and I'm just glad he made money. Wow. I love that. You know, from both of your stories, I feel like I hear, and I know Bob, you mentioned it, like your journey in risk management, like managing risk, like both of your stories of what you would say as failure kind of seemed like if we included God in the decision, yeah. Maybe we would have, we would have mitigated the risk of or the outcome. We would have changed the outcome that we had to go through. I mean, you wouldn't have charged or competed so much to open the door when you knew it wasn't your contract, but you did it anyways and Sean same thing. Maybe you 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 overreached or you stepped out too soon and and you thought too much of the situation believing that it was going to work out, but you know you weren't managing the risk properly, including God in the process. And so I, I hear that. Like I try to get sort of a, a little bit of a pulse on really the focus of the conversation in these episodes. And I think that really is what it is. It's like, we can talk about risks in the supernatural, but at the same time, we need to be able to supernaturally manage risk and make sure we do things God's way and in God's timing. And we win in the end, just as we close you guys, um, I would love it if you just give the listeners a quick activation. What can they do to prepare themselves in this season to hear God for their business practically? Maybe around this idea of managing risk, you know, in a healthy sort of more heavenly way. Like, what would you say to the listeners to leave them with something to do like to activate from this episode? Well, I have, you know, maybe this is a word from the Lord. Maybe it's not. But I feel like there's people out there who are in adversarial relationships, either with an employer, a vendor, business partner, um, you know, possibly a spouse. And so my activation would be for the next two weeks to pray for that person, to literally ask God to open your eye, open your eyes about what is happening with that person. And, um, you know, I have a story about this that, you know, I did this with this young woman who was adversarial with her boss. And the end of the story is that the boss ended up coming in and talking to her uh, in a way that she'd never talked to her before. And the relationship, you know, she ended up getting promoted, promoted, promoted. But it was because at the start of the two weeks, she wanted to quit. At the end of the two weeks, God had given her his heart for her boss and she wow. recognized that there was some devastation happening in wow. in her boss's life and so it changed her perspective and so my act my activation would be spend two weeks do this experiment to uh, pray for this person who you're having an adversarial relationship with and then see how god changes your heart in order to manage the situation that's amazing and i'll give that one for people who aren't in that relationship or that place is I would look at like literally open up maybe a couple of pieces of paper and write down, you know, at the top of each paper, maybe five pieces of paper, write down a big win you had either relationally and business and a choice you made, and then start to write down, how'd you get there? 
and look so for good. God. Look for God and in, in how you got there. When did you pray for an opportunity like that? When did you, you know, some people it's like, I've married the best person in the world. That wasn't you. How did you get there? How did God prepare you? How did they see you after God's heart? How did they say yes to you? How did you say yes to them? Like literally like go through and figure out, cause you're going to find out even more how God talks to you in the practical and the daily. And we need to know that because that's where we can partner the most. Wow. That's so amazing. Good. That's yeah. amazing. So I'm going to have to get this book. You guys, I'm, I'm excited to read it. I will uh, send you one. Yeah. Can't wait. And I think I want to encourage everybody out there to check it out. Where do they buy it? Where's the best place to buy this book? In Canada, it would be Amazon and then, uh, or Bulls Ministries, we could send them up to Canada and then also anywhere in bookstores it's being sold. So, but I know we're in Canada, we're in Amazon for sure, but worldwide we're all over the place and uh, in bookstores. And then, like I said, bullsministries.com. There's, I think we still have some signed copies we're sending out from Bulls Ministries. Awesome. That's amazing. Everyone listening, make sure you follow Bob Hassan on social media, Sean Bowles. They're all over social media. They have incredible content as well as visit and check out some of the e-courses that are online with Sean Bowles. I don't know, Bob, do you have any e-courses, anything that you offer online as well? You know, um, on bowlsministries.com, Sean and I have done some, uh, have done some uh, mentoring work and we're going to do an e-course that's going to come out probably in the next three to six months. Oh, super exciting. That's amazing. So make sure to check that out, you guys. Make sure also to uh, check out and subscribe to Exploring the Marketplace podcast that's on the Charisma Podcast Network platform uh, with Sean and Bob. I know you'll be strengthened by it. But for now, thank you so much, you guys, for coming on this podcast. Thank we you. appreciate Thanks, you. We receive so much of what you said to encourage our leadership. And so thank you to all the listeners out there, once again, for tuning in to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast where we're helping you become a little more supernatural in your leadership. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.